Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Wait, what? What? Have we done this music before? We have. Of course we have. So why the hell am I doing it again? That's a lot of questions. Is it perhaps something we teased before? We, we, we sure have teased this before. Um, for those of you who somehow have not listened to previous episodes of Air Quote Law Pod, you don't have to reach deep into the catalog to uh to get this one um this is this is theme music from the hit 90s tv show i don't know if it was a hit or not i certainly didn't watch it when it was on air oh hit the wrong button um oh i was getting ready to dance again awful theme by the way i hate it yeah it's terrible and i'll tell you right now it stays pretty much that same thing throughout the entire show cool. and uh yeah so this is jobeth and it's liz and this is another episode of air quote law pod this is a different episode because it may or may not be it is it's a bank episode but it's not really a bank episode it's probably going to drop in two weeks i have dogs barking behind me which is never something that happens but hey there it is um scheduling's been kind of wonky and weird and um i don't know why people are opening the door on me when they know what i'm doing but um oh i've got i've got a dog that wants to come and see me i guess so i already so, learned a lesson oh yeah. Tell me more. Don't look up anything like because okay, well, basically this this episode I guess is a backdoor pilot to our practice spinoff where Jobeth and I watch the practice and discuss. Yeah, so we teased that we would do something like this, and we had not decided, and I don't know that I'm convinced that we do a completely separate podcast on this yet. So what we need from you guys as we go through this somewhat off the cuff, because I just came back from being impromptu dropped into walking a dog that I wasn't planning on walking with a jammed up schedule already quite a shit day that I've had as far as shit being shifted around and changed and things just being jumped into my schedule, which isn't that abnormal for me because just, you know, 
it just it, people are very accustomed to just throwing shit at me and expecting it to be done yesterday. Um, and and that is it, it, that is par for the course when you have kids that are getting into an adolescent age as well because they have shit that they never tell you about. And oh, by the way, we need to be here or there, or this needs to happen or whatever. Um, so such is normal for me. I'm literally late to this running around. I rewatched the episode that we're going to talk a little bit about today, probably two or three weeks ago. And had I known that we were going to do this and not, yeah, you watched it today and I would have probably re 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 watched it today. Had my schedule not been completely jacked, but Hey, here we are. It's not seen it twice. I guess let us know if you want this to be a separate podcast. I think it makes sense to be a separate podcast as a spinoff. And it very well may because, um, let me see. So you might be listening to this as the practice pod, which you might be listening to this on air quote law pod as a bank episode. You might be listening to this as episode one of the practice pod, unless we have a better name, but the practice pod sounds fine to me. So yeah, it's eight seasons and it started in 1997. So that's a lot of content, but we were also talking about wanting to go to a week on air quote law pod. And Ariel is the only one whose schedule doesn't really jive with that. I think that you and I could make a second episode happen. So we need your input as we get through this. This is going to be a either a bank bonus or somewhere dropped in depending on the schedule this week episode um, of air quote law pod, but we, we look for your feedback on whether or not you want these to be tagged along with air quote law pod as bonus episodes, or whether you want it to be a separate podcast altogether. If it doesn't matter, because really in reality, I think to the end user listener, it doesn't really, it probably doesn't make much of a difference, right? Like you're feeding this through, you know, I don't know. whatever we, you're we listening fans to. Fans of just the practice, they may just want this content. Well, then they can skip episodes, and and people who don't want to listen to the 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 practice banter can skip those episodes. I don't know. We'll, we'll again, if you have an opinion, reach out to us on social media. We're looking forward to it. Um, we want your input because we. We do these episodes, we do these podcasts, whatever, whether it be two podcasts or a combination of one with a piggyback on it. We do this for you. Um, So, yeah. Let's jump into the episode. So this was episode one. And um, can you tell me the air date of this episode? I do not want to look it up only because I just went to look up one of the the actors because- And you already know too much? I are I saw a spo- I mean I saw a spoiler I don't want to see any more because I wanted to see if this actor was in something else it wasn't I was incorrect um but so I know it was 1997 let me see if I could find out exactly when okay because they have March some secu- March 1997 because they have some security cam footage in this episode that is labeled 95 I noticed that um So I took notes, like stream of consciousness style, as the episode was airing. So I think let's go through those kind of chronologically, but let's also talk about the, there's like, 
A, B, and C plot lines. And since I watched it today, do you just want me to go over those? Yeah, I I just want to make a general statement. All right, and this is this is a this is for people who don't know much about me, which is anybody, because you know how I am. This is also a little bit for Liz. I will tell you right now, and it's funny that you mentioned this because I when you when you texted me earlier, there's a certain character that you're like, I don't like this character, and I'll let you get into that and why. But my I almost responded with what I'm about to say now, but I was like, I, it, the internal monologue of save it for the podcast clicked in, and and I stopped myself. Um, because my response to you is going to be like, that's so odd because you've spent 70% of your law career working with this character. And I say that with a little bit of an asterisk beside it because this show and that character is probably close and maybe blended with another character, the, the two personalities, with who I'd be if I were a single without kids attorney. I would be running this kind of like off the cuff sort of, is it going to fly? Is it not going to fly? You know, wild, wild west in a mid Atlantic city law practice. Like maybe not to be in broke part and, and not being able to make the rent part and wondering if you're going to get kicked out of your office space part. But um, because you know me, I like to be my own landlord, but, um, and I don't actually know that I hate him. There was just one scene and we'll get there. And in that scene, I hated him. And because you were kind of getting my stream of consciousness, like, but I wanted to mostly write it down. So I have a page of notes that I wrote again, like chronological stream of consciousness style, but so let's go through the show and the plot points. So what I can tell, and Jobeth has seen this show, big fan of the show. I've never seen it. Um, I don't know anything about it, but it's And about... remind me to tell you how I was introduced to this show. Well, why don't you go for it now? So a client of ours, a favorite client of ours, and I'll see if, if you can guess who this client is. And I'll give you a few. And he won't care if you drop his name. Um, I Trust me, he won't care. In fact, he'd probably be flattered if he knew that we were talking about him right now. I can almost guarantee it. Does he um, think I'm hot? What's that? Does he think I'm hot? Yeah, you already know who it is. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah had numerous times and and this is an individual that I've represented a few times you've represented at least once maybe twice maybe more um our our other partner that does the 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 workers comp has represented him at least once probably twice who knows so he's he's a and he's referred a lot of business um great client um and and he's the kind of client that when there are social events that are social slash firm marketing events will get invited. Teddy's decided that he's a podcaster. Oh, hi, um, Teddy. Teddy, he's a little, little wiener dog. This is my little wean, Teddy. And the funny thing is, is that he is here. If he were my dog, his name would be Denny Crane. Yeah, and we haven't met him yet, right? You, you won't meet Denny Crane until like the eighth season of uh of the practice and denny crane is one of the main characters in the spin-off show which is boston legal so 
Yeah. Um, for years and years and years, Prince Fabius would always tell me in our run-ins and everything like that, that you, you are Bobby from the practice. You need to watch the practice. You need to know who Bobby is because to me, meaning to Prince Fabius, I am his Bobby Donald. And he is Bobby Donnelly as the main character. Um, and so this show is about a practice, a law practice. And I guess, is it owned by Bobby Donnelly? Yeah, it's, it's owned by Bobby. And it's, it's very, very. And they best- do criminal defense and civil law, right? They, they the, the one thing that I would not be doing that they're doing is a little bit of everything because you know how I am about that. Um, because throughout the course of this show, you will see many of the characters doing many things like criminal stuff here and then weird complex, uh, you know, cigarette lawsuits there yeah. and back and forth. And, and to me, you know, that's a big, big no, no. I'm a very much a stay in your lane, become the master of what you do kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want somebody else to do the other things. Hence our relationship. I do two things. And I think I do the two things I do very well, but if it's outside of those two things, I tell my clients, if you need something else, call me, I won't do it, but I probably know someone that does or know someone who knows someone that does and I can get you a name, but you know, I only do what I do. You only do what you do. And we do a good job in our lanes. Um, but that being said, they do a little bit of everything. I will tell you, and that's what I know about the show so far. It's about this law firm. And I will tell you at first, I thought they were the public defender's office. And let me tell you why. Do you want to guess why I thought they were the public defender's office? Um, Because their clients are shitty? No. Uh, Because their office is basically in the same building as the courthouse? Well, okay. Am I imagining At least that's the perception. I don't know if it actually is, but that's the perception. That was part of it. Yeah. I think uh, basically it's their office. It looked like their office was in the courthouse. When I realized they also did civil lit, I was like, okay, maybe it's not in the courthouse, but it looks like it. And also the way their office is set up, it's a mess. Everyone is kind of in, you know, one area. It just feels like having been physically in public defender's offices, Yes. That's just how it looked to me. Um, I mean, and not in a bad way, just in it's very busy. There's a lot of movement, a lot of people moving around. And it's not like the attorneys all had individual offices. There was this kind of like bullpen area where there were a bunch of desks and it just it just had that vibe. Yeah, it was it was it's definitely a bootstrapped law firm. Yeah, for sure. And for those that don't know, it's based in Boston, Massachusetts, not Boston, Austin, Texas. Um, which, and I went to law school in Boston, the road trip reference from back in the nineties as well, I think. Um, so I guess, let me go over the the three plots and then I'll go into my notes. How how about that? Yeah. Why not? And by the way, a little disclaimer, no law bell in this, considering we are discussing a television show that is about the law. So the law bell is on hold. So there is, and I'm assuming because at the end of the episode, he opens up like a case file with another name. There's probably like the case du jour of every episode. Um, 
Well, this episode, there there were multiple cases going on at the same time. But yeah, so there's the case that I. You'll have that normally throughout this. Yeah, like the case that started and concluded in this episode was Donnelly's case. Uh, Seventeen-year-old was caught uh, kind of stuffing cocaine into a pillowcase, and she is on the hook for fifteen years for possession, and it was such a large amount that I guess it was a drug trafficking crime. And the whole thing is the argument is she's innocent. It was her brother's, but she was just, it was in her room. And when the cops came, she panicked and started stuffing it in a pillowcase. But because the brother, I guess was nowhere to be found. They wanted her to go down for it. So that was the big kind of the big plot point. Yeah. There was a plot point that I'm going to guess is going to be multiple episodes long, this cigarette lawsuit, which is very confusing to me. And I guess we'll get to it um, where uh, the firm, one of the women there is uh, I don't remember her name. Lindsay, Lindsay, right? Because there's uh, Donnelly and then Eleanor is like second chair on this uh, cocaine lawsuit. Lindsay is doing a civil suit for this man whose wife died from cigarettes, which confuses me. And I guess we'll get there. And then the C plot, this was the reference I made earlier. And this actually goes back to a case when I, there was an indecent exposure case. And Jobeth told me one time, it was just a couple, like someone out walking their dog. Oh, I do get the reference now. He meant penis. And um, Jobeth. It's funny. You texted me this reference that was a reference to something that I said. Yeah. And I didn't get it. Because I texted Joe with, I said, I'm going to be a little late getting back. We're at dinner. We're still waiting for the check. I'll be a little late. And Joe said, that's fine too. I just got asked to walk a dog. And I said, a real dog? Or is this like a free willy thing? Because there's this guy in the show who is on, I guess, his third arrest for indecent exposure for showing his penis. And they call him free willy. And that was a very, very minor plot point. I don't know if he's going to be in another episode. Um, and then, I also don't remember if he comes back, but another very, very minor plot point of someone who was like cashing counterfeit checks. I assume that's going to come back or else I don't know why they would have spent like five minutes on this guy. Cause it, I mean, maybe it was just to introduce all the other players in the law firm. I think that there's a little bit of that, but there's also throughout this series, if I remember correctly, it's probably been four years since my original watch through of this three or four years. Um, I definitely got through all of it before the pandemic hit. So it's been at least three years. Um, This is not a focused, this is the case. This is what's going on type of show. There will, even when there are big, big, heavy lifting cases where a lot of people in the firm are involved in them, there are still multiple other cases that are bopping back and forth and happening within one episode, almost exclusively throughout. There's just a shitload of shit going on. And, okay. and it's so there's always a bunch of stuff going on. And they're, and of course, they're jumping around and everything like that. So should we get into the episode? Like uh, the actual yeah. like, plot? Do you want to discuss? Let's discuss, I guess, um one of the cases all the way through. I mean, there's basically the two plots to discuss the free Willy thing. Basically. I mean, that was it. It was just kind of, I think it was supposed to be comedic because they're like this guy who, you know, this is the third time he's done it. And he says he was protesting NAFTA and they never really connected the dots as to why. I mean, they kind of called him out and said, this is a ridiculous argument. 
It was it was bullshit. Yeah, you what you will notice another theme throughout this this whole series is that they drop a lot of quasi bullshit arguments and 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 they fly a lot of times. Not always, but a lot of times they fly. So let's kind of go chronologically, but let's separate out the cigarette case and the cocaine case. Which one do you want to do first? The um, case was the bigger one. You want to save this for last? Yeah, I mean, t- touching on the the cigarette case, really at this point, and it is it, it is something that arches across across multiple episodes. Uh, I think that a lot of the purpose in this is the intro in this episode specifically is the introduction of Lindsay as a character and 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 really there's there's she is kind of that stereotypical top or close to top of her class just fresh out of law school yeah, green, she's new, right? That's the green, out, green green this can be hasn't really found her sea legs as far as as practicing law but um isn't jaded on the profession yet and is smart as shit and has recall from all of the stuff from just recently having been exposed to it all in 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 law school and again we're still talking about the cigarette case not the free willy case yeah um we're told she's very smart and very talented. We haven't seen that yet, but I guess they're just establishing that we're supposed to accept as fact that she is. And it and it will come through. You will learn that that is, in fact, she is probably the most um, actually skilled and book smart attorney in the entire firm. They all have their own values and, and things like that. Um. Yeah. So the, so she, um, so I'm going back to my notes here. So she basically, uh, she goes to this uh, deposition, right? She's in the deposition and you find out at this deposition, she's with this client and the lawsuit is over. His wife died from smoking cigarettes for 30 years. And I had, I basically wrote, I'm confused because this was the nineties. Didn't we know that cigarettes were bad? Like what was this going yeah, on? Yeah, But they're, they're, I didn't track them. I didn't watch them or follow them, but there legitimately were a ton of, of cigarette lawsuits. And I think that they ended up getting them into a class action and getting some money out of them. A lot of it ended up with um, some, some uh, legislative impact. Like it, when you were growing up, you may have still seen people smoke cigarettes on TV and in commercials, but you don't now. And that was part of some legislative things. Um, Harry Bradshaw still smokes cigarettes. On TV. Well, on commercials and in advertisements. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't anymore. But so the first, so Lindsay goes to this deposition and who opens the door? Who is the opposing counsel? I mean, we learn it's a former law professor of hers. 
It's Richard Gilmore. I don't know the reference. Richard Gilmore. The grandfather from the Gilmore Girls. Oh, see, I've yeah, I've watched all zero episodes of the Gilmore Girls. Oh, well, next podcast. Um, yeah, I was like, as soon as I saw it, because I, uh, he's dead now, but I think it's it Edward Herman is the actor's name. Um, and I know he's been in other things. I know Gilmore Girls was not like his breakout role, but I didn't ever know what he was in. And I was like, it's Richard Gilmore. And I was just um, binge watching Gilmore Girls recently. Um, and so, I mean. He's in 10 episodes of this total, according to Wikipedia. I happen to still have it open from when I was Is looking Is that his name, see. Edward Herman? Yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, you find out that he's her former law professor. I guess she doesn't know he's opposing counsel. Um, and basically... I wrote, you know, this case is is very sketchy because they're in this deposition. The client is pretty adamant in the deposition. He maintains he will never die um, because basically it sounds like this lawsuit started before his wife had passed away. I guess maybe she had a health complication and then she passed away. And he said there he accused them of dragging this out until he dies. But he says he will never die. And then Richard Gilmore attorney says, let the record reflect, he will never die. And that was funny. Um, so, but something real sketch happens. And I rewound it to make sh sure that I understood what was going on. Because one of the things in this show that I haven't decided if I like or not, it, it just is what it is, is they don't offer any explanation for anything so like you're coming in and they're naming like the names of people and you don't know who they are or like you hear them talking this is maybe a better example oh there's also they touch on this murderer who has an appeal and they say he's sentenced at the beginning and they say it's not over yet and i'll go back to that because it's more of the donnelly arc um we're going to take it to the sjc which is the massachusetts supreme judicial court um I am aware of that because, you know, like I said, I went to school there. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't know SJC stood for Supreme Judicial Court and that it's one of the higher courts. And and I think that's on purpose. I think that some of where the just dropping you into this is an illustration in this like flying down the highway, practicing law at 100 miles an hour sort of feeling that stays consistent throughout the season. Like these guys are just hustling all day, every day. As you will see, I don't think in this episode, but Bobby sleeps in the office probably more than he sleeps at his house. Okay. And so it's like, so what, but basically what happens in the cigarette case is the law firm clearly won't settle the cigarette firm because, you know, if they have to pay money to everyone who's ever been diseased because of cigarettes, they're out a bunch of money. And the, the old quote, slippery slope argument. We do it once. We've got to do it every time. And Richard Gilmore lawyer proposes something that's, I think, really fucking shady. Um, and Lindsay catches on and says, isn't it illegal? I think there is something. There's definitely fraud going on there. Like it 100 percent is in my mind. Um, but 
basically they offer a settlement of 18,000, but it's not really a settlement. One person, and this is, I'm confused about who the person was. His name was like Fallon or something, but I don't know who that is. And maybe I don't think I'm supposed to yet, um, is going to pass, is basically going to front this $18,000 to give to the client. And then they are going to bill, I think, Michael's, which I guess is the cigarette firm. And they're going to disguise it as attorney's fees. So the cigarette firm pays this 18000 in attorney's fees, quote unquote, but really it will go back to reimburse the guy who paid out this settlement. So there's yeah, it's it is uh it, it is definitely bag of cash type of arrangement that they are I mean if they're disguising it as attorney's fees that feels like fraud. And and it is it, I I don't know that the hey we're going to pay you off element of it is where the fraud comes in. It's the fact that um No, like they, I don't how they plan to get the money. Yeah. Like, honestly, if he didn't tell Lindsay anything about it, just made the offer of 18000 and did the shady dealings on his end, you know, that would have been fine. But now Lindsay knows about it, so she can't very well, I don't think, participate in it. Right. Um, and I think he has to tell her because part of it is they're not actually going to file, you know, this settlement or whatever. Um, and, I mean, that was basically it for this one. But it seemed, well, so... He proposes, Lindsay's like, I want more money. Richard Gilmore is like, that's very generous. Like, what I'm offering, you, you're going to get nothing if you sue. He's trying to tell her this. And then one of the other attorneys at the firm, and I forget this guy's name, but the guy that goes back with her to the meeting. Eugene. Eugene. Um, Eugene goes back and basically calls him out and basically says, you're a professor trying to pressure a former student into settling. And he doesn't like that and basically says, fuck off. No way. And he doesn't even get into the element of, hey, stealing this money from your client by billing them illegally somewhere else yeah. is, I mean, you'll get fucking disbarred for that in real life. Yeah. So, like, none of this is okay. Um, but I will say I have been in Lindsay's shoes before where I have a more experienced attorney and I've been newer, especially when I was very new and I have a more experienced attorney who just looks at me straight in the face and says, you know, you're not going to win. And definitely. Didn't you win some of those cases? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I, I let the record reflect that please. Yes. Thank you. So I have been there, which shows that when people do that, it's clearly a tactic because they were wrong because I have won. Um, so people will try to do this. And so I've been in her position and I know how it feels and it doesn't feel great. Um, you know, and depending on how it goes, usually I just let them talk. Sometimes I'll just say, I know, but I have to try, you know. Even if I know that's not true, just tell them what they want to hear so they shut up. You know, if they say you're not going to win, okay, but I got to try for my client. And then they say, okay. And they're like, okay, you you try your best. And then I do. And, you know, sometimes I win. So I've been there. People do it. If you're the kind of attorney that does that, it's real shitty. 
don't be that person. No one appreciates that because, you know, there's there's no need to be like that with opposing counsel. I don't know. Um, but let's get into uh, the Bobby Donnelly things. Donald. Bobby O'Donnell. Yep. Bobby Donald. So the first thing I wrote is I wish things happened this fast because he gets into court. He does like something really quick, like a sentencing, but it's like he walks in the door, starts right away. Boom. He's out of there. He's running around. He's going back. And it's like, I do criminal defense. I spend a lot of time waiting in court. Sometimes you sit there for an hour. Well, if you're first, great. Love that. But sometimes you're not. And it just seemed like everything was going boom, 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 super fast. And I was like, I wish I could just walk in. They're like, oh, time for the sentencing that you're here for. And now it's done. Um, so this starts off with this cocaine case. And it looks like if this um, defendant is convicted, she's facing about 15 years. Or it's a mandatory minimum of 15 years or mandatory sentence. And she's offered a deal of 10 months. And she doesn't want to take it. Now, Bobby and Louisa are trying to get her to take it. And I get it. I think they are pressuring her a bit much. I mean, at some point, if your client doesn't want to take a deal, they don't want to take a deal. And I've been in that situation. And, you know, that's what you do. You go to trial. They go to court. The judge... I wrote, I think the judge is behaving improperly because he knows what the deal is. And honestly, if you say my client doesn't want this deal, the judge needs to accept that. And the judge should not question it. I think it's improper. What do you think? I will tell you that the judges acting out of line is a common theme throughout this show. Yeah, like and it gets all the time. It gets sketchier and sketchier as the show progresses. I will tell you that right now. Um, because we can't pick whether our clients want a plea deal or not. It's our job to counsel, to advise, to help them make a decision. But ultimately, if we think they need a deal, and you know, this is what happens in the show. The client says, I'm not taking a deal. I'm going to trial. I'm not going to admit to something I didn't do. Okay, you go to trial. But the judge... They approach the bench and the attorney says, I tried to get my client to take this deal, which I wouldn't say at that point. I All you have to say is my client doesn't want the deal. And any attorney should know your client doesn't want the deal. Your hands are tied. And if, in fact, you try to go behind their back, you, which you can't do, like, that's not OK. And the judge says she is tempted to remove Bobby Donnell because he could not, if he can't convince his client to take the 10 months, how is he going to convince a jury? Which that's just so fucked up. It's kind of a dick move, but like, um, Hey, and, and honestly, to- those two things kind of run together. Like it, it is largely based. Don't get me wrong. You and I have both had clients where pride gets in the way of them taking a deal that they should take mm-hmm. and not actual innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had those situations, but then we've also had the situations where our belief is that there might actually be actual innocence here. The tougher cases that, that, you know, that you get because mm-hmm. working out for somebody who's told you that they've done this, that or the other and getting them a good deal is one thing. 
Mm-hmm. But it, it's, you know, if there becomes this consistent thread of, of actual innocence, that might and should result in a not guilty. But so... Uh, I don't know that these facts suggest that, but hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I'm not even really going to get into that because I think because they didn't get into it in the show about whether the stuffing it in the pillowcase is a crime in and of itself. But like the client, like A, the client has a right to counsel of their choosing. B, the judge, you know, shouldn't remove, like shouldn't remove the attorney without the client, like, be, without anything improper being done or anyone asking like the judge just doesn't get to make that decision right you know and like see if the judge thinks that there's no case like the client still has a right to a trial the defendant still has a right to a trial you know and i mean sometimes attorneys have what i would call a mitigation trial you know and understand um, there's also the other element to this uh-huh. and this is a theme that will definitely crop up throughout the series because there's a lot of criminal defense that's covered in this. And for anybody who out there who is a skeptic of criminal law in general and criminal defense in general, understand, you know, and obviously I'm I'm speaking mostly to like the non-lawyers who represent a subsect of people who I've run into over the years in which I used to practice this stuff. Um, Not guilty does not mean I'm not guilty. Those words exactly. They are saying, you know, that is a way to tell the the state, hey, prove it. That is what not guilty means. Prove it. Yes. And so like I was saying, you know, sometimes you might have what I like to call a mitigation trial, which is not necessarily where you're showing you're not guilty, but you want to have your day in court because you want to show all the circumstances. You want to show what happened. You know, maybe you know, the state is saying, you know, all this bad stuff happened and like maybe only one bad thing happened. And yeah, you might be guilty of that one bad thing, but you need to show all of it, all of the context to help kind of just show what happened. I mean, that's, these are very broad terms that I'm using, but yeah. So um, moving along, another, there's another line about something fucked up that was kind of a one-off, but I wrote it. One of the attorneys says he put up bond. Per- I think it might've been Bobby. He put up bond personally for yeah. someone, which you can't fucking do. Right. Right. Like, I think it's an ethical violation to put up money for your client. Isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Like don't put up bond for your clients. I don't think you're allowed. And like, just no, Cause then you have a, yeah, it's too, it's a conflict of interest. Just no, no, no. Um, there is a line that I like where Bobby says, you think it's tough defending the guilty, try the innocent. It's terrifying. Yeah. Well, you, Um, you, you have more on the line. Yeah. Um, Bobby is smoking in court, which I wrote like, you could do that. I mean, I guess you could do that in the nineties. That's crazy. I mean, maybe it wasn't crazy back then, but it's wild to me. Yeah. It's, um. Um, a lot of wild elements to this show, as you'll see. There's another, um, this is just, I'm just going chronologically through my notes. When, um, what was, what was he say? Eugene? Yeah, Eugene. Eugene goes into the jail and he's, it's kind of like in My Cousin Vinny, he's walking amongst the cells. When I go to jail, I'm in a visiting room. I don't walk amongst the cells. Like, fortunately, I don't want to do that because, you know, you got everyone yelling and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Um, 
when Bobby is in court, the prosecutor makes an objection and Bobby says overruled. The judge <laughs> yeah, that... overrules it, but like, no, you don't do that, Bobby. Like, let's. I, I will say, and, and I'm going to be interested to get your assessment on the percentages as your watching of this progresses. But as far as like courtroom TV dramas are concerned, this that obviously there are things like that that don't actually happen the, that way. Well, you can do say, it, but you'd be a dick. Yes, that throughout this series, this might be, and I'm not sitting here claiming to have seen every courtroom drama under the sun, this might be the closest to how it is in real life that I've seen, this show in general. Obviously, it's not 100%, but I, I would give this a strong, from my recollection, and again, I may change this number as I rewatch through all of these, I would give this a strong 70 to 75% accurate. Clearly there are things like that 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 are no-nos that don't happen this way. That feels on point to me from this. Um, So we get to the questioning and um, Bobby's doing his cross of the detective. And basically he starts asking the detective about his kids and his kids doing the same thing that this 17 year old was shoving the cocaine in the bag you know what would he think of that and kind of going down the line of well he might give them the benefit of the doubt but he doesn't know this person what's to say that she's not as honest as his kids he doesn't know anything about her i don't understand um why this wasn't objected to i wrote i love this line of questioning but i don't think it gets in in real life and there's there's a couple moments like that, but again, it's it's. It, have you not had trials where people have not objected to things, or have seen trials happening where people are not objecting to things? I'm not going to lie. Early in my career, when I would do things, and, and and sometimes it was like protective orders and things like that. So I might sometimes have a pro se litigant on the other side. Fuck all. I'm asking whatever I want. I'm yeah. asking what I want. I'm asking how I want because. That person over there is not objecting to me. And if I realize that I've got a soft seat and a judge that's going to let me go and I've got counsel on the other side that's going to leave me alone, I'm going to ask what I want, how I want until you tell me no. And the counsel on the other side, and I have a lot to say, so I'm going to kind of start speeding through because I know we don't have a ton of time and I want to talk about a lot of things, um, if that's okay. Um, It's it's great. But just, um, yeah. But I guess there are times where you might, not object because you think it's playing well to the jury for you. And maybe that's what this prosecutor thought. Um, the next thing I did note, uh, Bobby, another big no, no, he's coaching from the stand where his client isn't sure how to answer. And he's nodding. Yes. For her to answer. Yes. (laughs) Not allowed to do that. You know, and there are better ways to code that by the way. Um, I mean, if you want to set something like that up ahead of time. Oh, God. I'm I, not saying I've ever done it in a trial, but I have not. I, I, I certainly could. There have been times that I've kind of told a client, not in a criminal case, but in a civil case, to shut up. But I wasn't trying to hide that I was doing it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I wasn't trying to hide it because hiding yeah. things is the worst. I don't want to be sneaky. It was very clear that I was trying to tell my client. I mean, what I would say, like, you know, 
Mr. and Miss Client enough. Like I'm not. Yeah. It's it's not a secret that I'm doing it. Everyone hears me, you know. Um, and yeah. So um, anyway, the next note I have is if you look at, at everyone, everyone is wearing dark colors. That's just a note. Everyone is wearing dark colors. I was thinking when I lived in Boston, people did not dress very vibrant there when I lived there. Maybe it's a Boston thing, but let's just track this as the show goes on. If it's a dark color environment, because like I would notice when I would be like at a law school event and we would have like a room or something at a bar and everyone threw their coats on the thing. Everyone had a black coat, like everyone. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you something, because mm-hmm. I, when I started this run through rewatch, I think I watched episodes one and two, maybe one, two, and three, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. You've only watched episode one, correct? Yes. Have we met Jimmy yet? No. Okay. We'll wait. Um, next, next episode, we'll meet Jimmy. All right. Um, but I noticed the jury is not dressed very comfy. They're dressed in like dress clothes. If I'm on a jury and I know I'm going to be sitting there for a while, I'm dressing comfy. So my ex-wife has a story. Um, This was from years, years, years ago when she was not my ex-wife. She was called to jury duty, and it happened to be on a day in which I had a case that almost went to trial, criminal case here in good old Cecil County. And I, you know, she was down in the basement in the, you know, in the jury pool, and you know, she was concerned with what do I wear? You know, what can I bring all this other stuff? And I'm just like, look, it doesn't matter. You know, don't wear a shirt that says fuck you or I love Satan, but those things will help you get eliminated from the jury. Um, I get a text from her that is, I shit you not. There is a man sitting here wearing a t-shirt that says it's not a beer belly. It's a fuel tank for a sex machine. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well... Good for him. I bet he didn't get on the jury. I don't think, I think that my case was the last case to potentially go that day. And we ended up 11th hour resolving it. Um, So nobody, nobody was on any jury that day here in Cecil County, at least. You know, I mean, am I going to show up in sweatpants? Maybe not. But, like, am I dressing comfy? Am I wearing, like, my comfiest pair of jeans? And, like, you know, like, there are people there in, like, dress slacks. Like, I'm not doing that. But this jury was very dressed up. Maybe it was different in the 90s. Who knows? Um, 
And then, um, oh, so they're in chambers. And uh, it's not really said why they're in chambers, but they're talking to the judge. And this was when I texted you that I hate this guy. Um, and this guy, uh, Bobby, basically wants to get in. And this is the thing. We And the judge calls this out, right? We have plea offers in cases. And your client may take it. They may not. Settlement negotiations, under no circumstances, come into court. And the reason for that is that if they came into court, no one would make offers to settle, you know, because that would just be bad. It wouldn't play well in front of the jury. It confuses issues. And we can talk more about it another day if people are interested, if it's, you know, but if the logic isn't clear, which, I mean, we learn all about it in law school, but offers to settle don't come in. And Bobby is saying in his closing, he wants to come in that she turned down 10 months. And at some point it gets reduced to four. I don't remember if it was by this point or not, but she turned down this offer of mere months knowing she could get 15 years because she's innocent. And it's like, that's not fucking how this works. And to just basically say, I'm better than the rules. I'm bringing this in. I was like, what the fuck? Like, you're look, you look like an idiot right now. I don't know how much he was really actually planning on doing that. Again, this is scripted drama, so who knows? And how much of it it was a move to try to leverage the state's attorney to do something different that, you know, maybe even a better deal that the client might have taken. I guess. I don't get the. It seems like a shit strategy, though, because it's not coming in. So to threaten it, like, you know, and the I will tell you that throughout this series, there are hints and glimpses in which some not kosher shit happens. The judge was having none of it, though. She said, if you do that, you're going to be find yourself in a jail cell. And I was like, all right. So, judge, you're inconsistent because this was like a pretty ethical line. But earlier you weren't. So and I feel like I'm probably going to feel that way about everyone in this show is that sometimes they do shit that I like and sometimes they do shit that I don't. Um, So then we see him sleeping in his office and writing his closing. And I'm like, you know, the night before trial. I'm ready. I have my shit together. I don't want to be there late. I want to be well rested and sleeping at home. Because I'm a prepared lady. Whatever. Um, You know, but going home and going to bed early the night before trial does not make for good courtroom TV, I guess. No. Um, now he does a closing that I've always wanted to do. I didn't know he did this closing. I have always wanted to do this closing. There was between one- this and Boston legal. You will see so many closings that you want to do just and- a spoiler alert now without telling you them specifically. Welcome. So yes. Yeah, so this closing, not knowing this was in this show, I have written this closing before. I didn't do it. I ran it by another attorney. I think they said it was a bit much and I shouldn't. Um, but basically, he says, as an attorney, there are ethical rules that I have to follow. And one of those rules is that I'm not allowed to lie to you. If I think that my client is innocent, I can say that. But if I, my client is an innocent, I can say they don't have enough evidence to convict. I can say, you know, this is why you should question whether they did it. I can't say they're innocent unless that's the truth. And I'm telling you the truth. My client is innocent. And that's the gist of it. And I've written that before. I didn't use it because 
uh, mentor attorney that I talked to basically was like, no, don't. You'll have a chance. You'll find a spot. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I might do it one day um, because even though I wrote it and I wanted to use it, I wouldn't have written it if I thought it wouldn't, if it was like not okay to do. Um, But, you know, um, yeah. So he does that closing. I love it. Oh, the next note I have, back to the cigarette case, just because it's chronologically, Eugene is in this meeting with Richard Gilmore, and he picks up a paperclip, picks his teeth with it, and puts it back on the desk as, I guess, some sort of power move, but it's just gross. This makes me not like Eugene, because this is a gross thing to do. Don't Th- this, do this might be one of the few things for a long, long time that makes you not like Eugene. I was like, I hate this. He he is thoroughly one of the best characters through and through in this series, as you are about to learn. So let's let's jump off from yeah. there. Okay, and- well, I only have a couple more notes. Um, we're almost done powering through. Um, basically, the jury debates for, I think, an hour and 10 minutes. And in the office, you have, I think, Eugene and Lindsay. And they are both saying the opposite things. A short verdict means guilty. A short verdict means not guilty. And I like how no one has a consensus because that is the way it is in sure is. the real world. The time of jury deliberations, it tells you nothing. I think that's pretty common knowledge. Um, Except everybody still wants to speculate on it. Oh, yeah. They get a not guilty. The music after is terrible. They play like... The, the music is not a high point in this series. Yeah. They play like this soft, sappy music. And then we get to the end after the not guilty and we see Bobby back in his office and I have two final notes. So he takes off the folder for the 17 year old girl, tosses it aside. And then we get the next name, which I assume is going to be the case for the next episode. And he starts, he gets his little tape recorder and dictates a motion for someone to type. I was like wondering if people really did that back in the day. They dictated into a little thing. Hey, people still do now. I'm not one of them. You're not one of them. But people still do that shit now. What? Yes. That's weird On so for so many reasons. That seems difficult because... Now, I will tell you right now, almost all of the attorneys who do that still look like Edward Herman. <laughs> or some variation because, of they exist. Because to do that, you have to know what you want to say perfectly. I type something, I backspace, I switch it up. You know, you got to get your thoughts together. Um, And then the last thing, look at Bobby's desk. Why are the drawers facing out? They're not on the side that he sits. They're on the other side, and that's weird. That's my last thing. I'll have to look at that. I don't don't know that I ever noticed that. So weird stuff, fun stuff. So look, uh, we're out of time here, but tell us. What? Can we rate the episode? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? How do you want to rate it? Um, so this episode on first watch, I definitely enjoyed it and it makes me want to watch more. You said I'll either love it or hate it. And right now I'm going to, I definitely want to watch more. You're going to get sucked in. I am. Um, and I am going to rate it. I mean, based on just general likingness of it on a scale of five, I'm going to give it a, um, uh, I'm going to give it a four sleeping in your offices out of five. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a perfect setup to let you really know what you're in for, for the series, which is how I know that you're going to get sucked into this. Um, 
So yeah, what do you let us know it? what you think about us doing this. Do you want to hear more of this? Do you want to hear more of this in the same channel? Do you want us to kick this out and do it somewhere separate? Um, we want your feedback, airquotelawpod at gmail.com or do it on the socials. And uh, we're going to be as, as uh, democratic about it as we can. What's your rating before we go? Um, I'll give it a four and a half. A four and a half? A four and a half yeah. what? Um, I don't know. But I, I do the, the sleeping in my offices. All right. Well. I'll stick with you. All right. Good stuff. Love it. All right. Until next time. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Electric acid.